You're listening to episode 58 of the Food Biz Whiz podcast. And today I'm sharing an important question that keeps coming up with food and beverage entrepreneurs and e-commerce. If you are investing in e-commerce strategy this year, you'll want to keep on listening to ensure you understand this important online idea so you don't waste your time, your money, and your sanity. Let's do this. You're listening to Food Biz Whiz, the weekly podcast for everyone in the packaged food industry. Join your host, Allie Ball, to learn how to launch, grow, and scale your business. You'll hear real-life examples from her time as a professional grocery buyer, interviews with CPG experts, and listen in on actual client coaching sessions. Let's get going. Hey, before we jump in, I want to make sure that you've grabbed my free retail roadmap, a workbook that outlines my nine steps to building a brand that flies off the shelf. If you're a producer of a packaged product in the food industry, you are going to want this. I'll add it to today's show notes, so make sure you check out that PDF when you're done listening. Thanks. All right, my whizzes. Now, I know that you've probably focused on e-commerce these past few months, and while you know that I love traditional brick-and-mortar retail, this makes me really happy to see. Why, you might ask? When, why, why would I be so excited, right? When I'm 100% an advocate of building your food and beverage brand through wholesale accounts? Well, it's because I see time and time again that the most successful, the most stable businesses have that omni-channel approach. An omni-channel approach is when you focus on multiple revenue streams for your business. You might pursue traditional brick and mortar, you might go direct to consumer, you might have online sales, and you might layer in food service. And combined, you are in a much better position to navigate, say, a global pandemic when one channel becomes less viable than another. It goes back to that saying, don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? By having an omni-channel approach, you're not relying on only one revenue stream, which gets a little risky when something goes wrong. So in today's episode, we're going to cover the following. First, the question about e-commerce that I get every single week in my Food Biz Whiz Facebook group. Second, we're going to talk about where people are shopping online for groceries and how you can use that knowledge to get in front of them and capture more sales. And lastly, we're going to talk about what to remember as you build out your own website and direct to consumer strategy. Okay, here it is. The question that I get every single week about e-commerce, my whizzes ask me, is e-commerce still wholesale? Now, I know where this question comes from, and perhaps you've asked yourself this too. Is e-commerce still wholesale? Sometimes I get it in the form of like, well, I don't need a wholesale strategy because I'm going to focus on e-commerce. Okay, so food entrepreneurs ask this because you've heard that it might be easier or cheaper or faster to sell online than it is to get into traditional wholesale grocery accounts. I know why you think this. Obviously, building out your own Shopify account, making your website, putting your products online, pricing your products how you want to price them. When you're in control of all that, yes, it can absolutely be faster than getting a grocery buyer to say yes to stocking your products on their shelves. But here's a side of e-commerce that most people don't talk about. 
most of the online sales of grocery are still happening through wholesale accounts, just online. So the answer to the question, is e-commerce still wholesale, is a resounding yes. Let's go back to the definition of wholesale. A wholesale account is simply when a third party buys your product at a wholesale price, puts their own margin or markup on it, on that product, and resells it to the consumer. This is really important to remember with e-commerce because there's so much talk about how e-commerce is the wave of the future and how much online grocery shopping has skyrocketed this year. And that's true. But what you have to realize is that when you're selling online through a platform like Thrive Market, Fresh Direct, you know, Walmart.com, Instacart, through Shipped, or my local favorite, you guys know this, Good Eggs, that's all still wholesale. It's important to make this distinction because it means that once you realize that this is still wholesale, you realize that there's still a person on the other end of that website, a real person evaluating your product and making a decision on whether or not it makes sense for their digital shelf. There's still a category manager reviewing your performance and evaluating your sales velocity compared to other brands. There is still a submission process and a follow-up process and a strategy on how you're going to land on that digital wholesale shelf. I bring this up to remind you that while you may think that it's easier and faster and less expensive to sell online, It's also important to remember that most online grocery accounts are still wholesale and still need a wholesale strategy, which, you know, just happens to be one of my favorite things to talk about. (laughs) What is not a wholesale platform online, you might ask? That's I feel like that's the natural next question. Well, if you sell direct to consumer DTC through your own website, that's not wholesale, right? If you sell on Amazon, that's not wholesale. Not, not, not often. Sometimes it is, but, but typically not. But, you know, when you're selling on Amazon, you're still going to encounter a lot of fees when you go that route. So be careful there. Again, that, that option isn't fast or cheap or easy either. All right. So now that we are clear on whether or not e-commerce is wholesale, Let's move on to discussing where grocery is selling online right now. Before we do, I'm going to stop for a quick sponsor and I'll be right back. Instead of having a sponsor for today's episode, I want to give you a freebie, my retail roadmap. This roadmap is essential for anyone launching or growing a packaged food product as it clearly outlines the difference between creating a product line that flies off the retail shelf First one that just sits there. Find my free retail roadmap linked in today's show notes. You are going to love it. All right, we're back to discuss where grocery is selling online online right now. And I gave you a little sneak peek of this. So when we look at this question, we look at shopper behavior. It's really, really hard to change shopper behavior. And oftentimes it takes a big shakeup again, like a global pandemic, to really change behaviors in adults. When we look at e-commerce stats from 2020, we see that walmart.com accounts for about 30% of all online grocery purchases. I mean, this is nuts. This is a study that came out in August 2020 in Grocery Dive. I'm going to link to that article in our show notes for you guys. So walmart.com has overtaken Amazon for the number one platform for online grocery shopping, with Amazon accounting for 33% 
of all online grocery purchases in 2019, but only 27% in 2020. I think that's interesting. That's a 6% drop, which is really significant, especially over the course of only one year. So again, those, those numbers, 30% of all online grocery purchases are done on walmart.com and 27% of all online grocery purchasing is done on Amazon. My personal take is that those Amazon numbers have declined because of the addition of the other smaller grocery platforms that we've seen pop up as a result of COVID and that massive expansion of Instacart, which helps brick and mortar stores have an e-commerce presence for their loyal shoppers. I mean, say what you want about Instacart, but if it helps us keep keep our independently owned retail stores in business, I am for it. In fact, a recent study by Tabs Analytics shows smaller online food retailers have grown their share of the grocery e-commerce market significantly faster than their bigger competitors, which makes me really happy as someone who wants to support smaller retailers and values-driven companies. I bet if you're listening, you're celebrating this as well. So these companies recorded a 140% year-over-year increase in the number of transactions they saw. This is great news for those of you listeners who know that, frankly, you'll have better success pursuing the smaller, more manageable, independent retailers with your packaged food or beverage brand, rather than trying to find success on huge giants like walmart.com. Why are these platforms growing, right? Again, let's look back at shopper behavior. Online grocery shopping is mimicking the way we traditionally shop for groceries. That is filling up an entire basket with items from all different categories in one trip, making one transaction at the checkout. Shoppers are looking to purchase their food, whether it's online or offline, in a way that is fast, efficient, and frankly, pretty mindless. They want a platform where they can click from coffee beans to toilet paper to chicken thighs to broccoli all in one sitting and then complete the checkout process in just a few clicks of the button. These online retailers are winning here because of the convenience factor. It's so much easier to build a shopping basket of all the groceries that you need for a week on Thrive Market than it is to go to your favorite jam producer's website and complete a purchase, and then on to your favorite coffee roaster's website to buy those beans, and then on to your preferred sparkling water's website, checking out there. We don't do that because it's time-consuming, and lots of things that we eat on the regular, fresh dairy and eggs or meat or produce, often aren't sold online directly from the rancher or the farmer, right? Unfortunately, those who crave that farmer's market experience of selecting the very best goods from their favorite vendors isn't easily replicated online. It also means, unfortunately, that shoppers, except for your most loyal ones, aren't typically buying products directly from your website if you're in a mainstream grocery channel. Of course, there are exceptions to this. If you, let's say, solve a health problem for your consumer, or if you are particularly giftable, or you're a lightweight, easily shippable product who can throw a lot of money into online marketing and paid ad spend. But by and large, if you are a producer of a food or beverage product, especially a perishable one, it's hard to capture that repeat purchaser on your own website because that's just not how the majority of consumers are purchasing. Now, I know you're listening and you're saying like, well, 
I do. And again, there are exceptions. Absolutely. And sure, most of my retail ready students have sales directly from their own website, but they're not as high as those wholesale online platforms. And I don't say that to bum you out, right? I'm going to be the first to tell you that 99% of you listening should have a DTC strategy, a direct-to-consumer strategy that includes selling off your website. Instead, I tell you this so you have a little bit more data when it comes to deciding how you are going to capture the boom in online grocery sales and where you can sell your products to get in front of the folks who are buying their food online. You've got to go where your consumers are, right? So if we know that huge numbers of online grocery shoppers are buying through e-commerce wholesale platforms, that's, you know, that's what you've got to focus on. It's not on your own website. It's not selling through Instagram. It's not Facebook's new feature. It's on third-party platforms. Again, selling direct to consumer isn't wrong, and I absolutely advise that you do it, but I want to set your expectations, and I will also tell you that you are making a costly mistake if you think that that is the way to capture in on this online sales spike um, by focusing on direct to consumer. And you know what that means, right? You know the natural conclusion here. It means that you've got to have your wholesale strategy dialed in, knowing exactly how to pitch to that wholesale buyer and knowing what you're going to offer them in return, right? Okay, so finally, finally, I want to remind you of something for when you do decide it's time to focus on direct to consumer. And this is it. Listen up. The sale is the last piece of the puzzle. I'm going to say that again. The sale is the last piece of the puzzle here. What do I mean by this? I mean that getting that consumer to purchase from your website, completing the purchase, is the very last thing that happens in a whole string of steps that goes towards capturing the purchase. If your own direct-to-consumer sales are slower than you hope they are, I want you to take a good hard look at the moving pieces that you have in place that lead up to the sale. Is your website optimized? Is it easy to navigate? Does it load quickly, have beautiful photography, and speak directly to your target consumer? Are you capturing email addresses and nurturing those browsers, turning them into buyers through a thoughtful, thoughtfully scheduled emailing onboarding automation. Say that five times fast. Do you have an abandoned cart automation in place? Do you have ongoing email campaigns scheduled for at least four weeks in advance? Do you have your Facebook pixel set up? It's free, you know, in order to retarget those website visitors with paid ad campaigns once you do start running them. Do you have a system for capturing reviews from your audience and ensuring they're published to your website in an automated, streamlined way a few weeks after someone purchases? Do you have a way of inviting them to reorder? I mean, the list goes on and on and on, but the long story short is that there's no sense in driving traffic to your website until you have the backend systems in place to take advantage of the leads that you're generating, right? I see this all the time. I this I see this mistake happen so, so often when brands turn on paid advertising and then you swear up and down that paid ads don't work but it's because you haven't optimized on the back end before you drive traffic to your site. This also comes up when brands focus so much on their social media strategy, you know, spending hours a week on Instagram, 
only to not have the backend systems that lead to a completed purchase on the website. Frankly, it's a waste of time if you're spending <laughs> if you're spending the majority of your time on social media and your paid ad spend if you don't have the backend systems in place. Okay. Whew. I'm going to step off my soapbox now <laughs> and I'm going to recap what we covered in today's short episode. First, I showed you that most grocery e-commerce sites are, in fact, wholesale accounts. Don't forget this as you consider where you're going to focus your sales effort with your food or beverage brand. You need a wholesale strategy, whether you are selling in traditional retail or online. We then discuss why this is, and it comes down to consumer behavior. People want convenience, and they want to be able to fill up one big shopping cart, whether it's in traditional brick and mortar or on a digital shopping platform. Focus your efforts on where these consumers are already shopping for the best results with online sales. Finally, I reminded you that if you are pursuing direct-to-consumer, you've got to make sure that you've got the back-end systems in place to support the traffic that is coming your way. If you don't have the knowledge or resources to get your website dialed in, your email automations in place, your ads running, and your retargeting strategy started, perhaps direct-to-consumer is not the best place to focus your efforts online right now. It's up to you and your own skill set and your budget. All right, my whizzes, let me know what you thought of today's episode by tagging me on Instagram as you listen. I'm at It's Ali Ball, or by joining in the conversation on our Food Biz Whiz Facebook group. I'm in there almost every day chatting with Food Biz founders and their growing businesses. Find our group directly in our show notes or at Food Biz Whiz, that's B-I-Z-W-I-Z dot com. And thanks, as always, for tuning in this week. I'm going to be back next week with a fantastic episode with Kat Fields-White, the director of the San Diego Farmers Markets and the founder and CEO of Farmers Market Pros, which is a platform that helps brands succeed in farmers markets. We are talking about navigating markets in 2020. We discuss racism at farmers markets and the political scene this year. It is a really good one. So be sure to subscribe to Food Biz Whiz podcast so it shows up directly in your feed next week. Until then, have a good one and stay busy. Thank you for listening to Food Biz Whiz, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you never miss a beat. Hungry for more? Check out www.foodbizwiz.com. That's food, B-I-Z-W-I-Z.com for detailed show notes from all episodes. Thanks again for tuning in and stay busy.